The two young men that seemed to be constantly at odds with each other went by the names of Alistair Freeburn Mackenzie, a fire-red Scotsman, from Stirling, and Robert Clifford Crawford, the junior, an Englishman from York. Obviously they both had access to grind from their ancestral past, but instead of using war hammers and claymore swords as in the old days, instead they were using mouth daggers and tongue lashes to whip and stab each other, parrying with platitudes before thrusting their razor-sharp steel wit onto each other, slashing, cut, cutting, congelation, mainly interspersed with some slightly archaic Shakespearean sentencing, with stumbling, subjunctive tense. Neither quite had the eloquence enough to carry off this, but a few Latin phrases interspersed here and there, but he were far too drunk to sound anything more than clumsy lives of Brown with Latin correction lessons. They'd also engaged in pool competitions and opera singing to name but a, a couple. They were so competitive, neither would surrender one syllable. And so on it went late into the night. Then they began arm wrestling and words too much to formulate and then sort of administered swapping arms until of course cheating took over and they started to use both arms to pull one one another about they'd also been thrown out of quite a couple of reputable establishments and restaurants due to their rowdy noisy behavior but they were both still singing by the witching hour and swayed and staggered from lamppost to lamppost all the way home, berating each other from opposite sides of the street, until the Scotsman, whose face was puce, and his ginger hair seemed to static with electricity on end. The temptation was brought about by the questioning of kilts, and those strange little gartered socks, and the lack of undergarments. Then, the last straw. Crawford told Mackenzie that he came from a dark and pagan land, full of raging homosexuals. That did it. They locked arms and horns, and began in a death row, wrestling around on the pavement, biting, gorging, thumping. Ah, for all it was worth. Until one eventually submitted to a brutal arm lock around the neck where half Nelson he slapped the floor again and again. And they both laid back, gasping, breath to breath, exceedingly drunk, battered and blooded, the victor strode victoriously back, with chest puffed out and cheeks red. The Scotsman had won. Ah, he peacocked with victory. And the defeated crawled away into the shadows to lick his wounds. However, the winning smile of the victor was soon wiped away 
as Freeburn walks straight into a scaffolding pole, almost taking the top of his head off, knocking himself clean unconscious and blacking an eye shut in the process. Dazed and drunk and delusional, he managed to crawl against the wall, dragging himself over it onto the patio, crawling across it. He staggered to his feet, whilst the Englishman, Crawford, tittered and laughed from the shadows like a hyena. He cursed him, cursed him to be silent, again and again, until he slammed the door behind him. Then steadied himself and charged, racing stairs before suddenly stopping halfway up and then unfortunately beginning a descent backwards again faster and faster he came down backwards crashing through the double glazing knocking himself unconscious he sprawled face down onto the concrete the patio bleeding like a stuck pig from a gash and a slash across his left left hand Oh, it was only but for his wife's cuckoo clock that he was saved, probably from bleeding to death. Oh, he tweeted again and again, cuckooing into his subconscious, until six o'clock he suddenly jolted awake and screamed a blood-curdling shriek. Oh, passed out again at the sight of the monstrous amount of blood that he'd lost that was pooling around him. Fortunately, a neighbour had heard the ghastly cry and called an ambulance after looking over the fence and almost passing out themselves. Mackenzie was rushed straight into the surgery, his clothes cut away like some bomb victim. There... His injuries laid bare. Oh, seemed to many very, very superficial. The surgeon looked. I thought this guy had been stabbed. I thought I thought he'd been stabbed. There's no wounds. There's no stab wounds. Just a, a slash on his on his on his on his hand. A bad slash here. Well, he's 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 lost pints of blood. You're sure this man's not inebriated? I can smell him from here. He's panting like a dray horse. That's why he's lost pints of blood. He's thinned it down to almost petrol consistency. Oh, good God. You've rushed in here. You've got us on a red light trauma unit. We've rushed in here. He's got ten stitches into his hand here. There's nothing wrong with him apart from black and blue where he's run into lampposts or telephone boxes. In God's name, what are we doing with a crash crew? We all had to get out of bed for this clown. Well, oh, he's not, there's no, there's no stab wounds. There's just one slash wound where he's fallen through some plate glass. We could have done this and could have done this back in him. Oh, stitch him up, stitch him up and get him back on the ward. Oh, I thought. I thought his clothing and everything. I thought he'd been stabbed to death with the amount of blood. Well, we've analysed that. It's turned out 
that it's uh, he's actually burst a bottle of of um, red wine onto himself. Oh, marvellous! So it's not congealed blood that's in his in his jumper and things. No, I didn't think so when we cut it away. There's not a there's not a scratch on him. No, it's it it appears to be that it's it's the red wine that somehow he's managed to uh, pop the bottle on there and uh, oh dear God. So what we've got is a couple of people that have been rolling around in the dust here. One of them's got a, obviously a, a bottle of wine inside their coat and they've um, been wrestling on the pavement in the witching hour and popped the thing. Mm? Apart from a few facial industries, you know, I thought somebody had done his heart rate. Said it was totally out of arrhythmia, isn't it? Well, it turns out now it could be a, what we thought might be a Hogmanay heart attack. That's why we, you know, jump-started him, stopped and started his heart. I see. So there's no stabbing, no trauma. Just three days of reverie, doubtless, at the World Club, uh, World Cup. Uh, rugby finals is that what we're looking at and a hogmanay heart attack mm, marvelous yes i wouldn't mind going myself in actual fact stitch him up put him back on the ward finally mackenzie awoke with a little bit of a start he cried out i'm alive oh merciful god i'm alive nurse i'm alive the black nurse turned unimpressed Yes, Mr. Mackenzie, you are. We had a trauma crash unit here. Shooting six crash unit. All of the surgeons had to get out of bed to come stitch you up. We found out there's actually virtually nothing wrong with you. Your screams and your enormous in, you know, blood loss wasn't actually blood. Oh yes, there was a slight amount of pooling of blood, but most of it was what had seeped out of your clothing as red wine. Mouton cadet, by all accounts. So, the gentleman next door tell me. Hmm? The gentleman next door? Yes. They're standing by to, uh, shall we say, interview you for disturbing the peace. You're joking. Not the police. Hmm, the police. Do you mean, sister, the nurse? Nurse? I'll just let the police in. Well, um, that, have you told them that I'm con uh, conscious? Conscious? Of course, I've told them. I don't. Oh, right. You've got a lot of explaining to do. Have I? Oh yes. Oh yes. Now then, sir. Good morning, You're Mr. Mackenzie, Mr. Alistair Freeburn Mackenzie. I take it. Uh, yes. Morning. Morning. This is Detective Stevenson, and I am Detective Parker. Just to let you know that we're going to now caution you, okay? So anything that you might give will be taken down, perhaps given as evidence against you. I see. It sounds serious. Yes, it is. They don't usually call us unless it is. Now, yesterday... There's a crash team of surgeons being called, an ambulance, police cars, trauma units of all, call, all sorts have been called in the middle of the night to find you in a puddle of blood, seemingly. Now it turns out that most of it is uh, Mouton Cadet. 
Yes. So, would you mind telling us what's happened? In your own words, if you don't mind. Uh, uh, well, I, I can't remember. No, I didn't think you would. You remember anything? Well, I, I remember. I remember up until having a little squabble with somebody. Hmm, yes. Am I being charged? What? Oh, just at the moment, yes, you are. You're being charged with theft. Theft? Theft of what? I didn't steal anything. Ah, well, obviously, then, you didn't remember going to a, quite an exclusive, or shall we say gate-crashing exclusive party on your way home on the Oval. Hmm? Somebody's birthday party. Um, no. No. No, I bet you didn't. Anyway, you lifted a very, very expensive bottle of wine that was there. You see, the person in question is a sort of a, well, he's a vintage collector of ancient, well, not ancient, but rare wines. He's a connoisseur. That, um, well, it's just a bottle of wine. Hmm, just a bottle of plonk to you. Not quite a bottle of plonk, though. Because Mr. Mackenzie, it was a Mouton Cadet, 1945, worth £17,500. Oh, my God, you're joking. No, seems you have very, very expensive taste. Although you're wearing it instead of drinking it. Yes, I hope you enjoyed it. Well, I didn't taste it. No. Still, you managed to burst it in some f street brawl rolling around on the floor. It was on your inside pocket of your Harris Tweed coat. Oh dear. Yes, oh dear, oh dear. Another thing. We're also going to have to be charging you with, obviously, disturbing the, you know, the peace. Because you, um, you woke up half the neighbourhood. And what you didn't wake up, the other half, we woke up. I see. And uh, your sparring partner. Yes. Yes, I think it was Crawford. Somebody. Hmm. Crawford. So you do remember. You do remember him. Oh, not really. We had a bit of a row. We had a singing contest and a pool contest and an arm wrestling contest and many other contests. I can't remember. My head is really banging. I bet it is. After running into a scaffolding pole, you've got a lump on there on the top of it. So wonder you didn't fracture your skull. If your head wasn't like a chub safe, you'd have split the thing in two. Oh, it's really getting to pound. Can you ask the nurse for something? No, not until we've finished. You two beauties, we've since found out from video cameras and God knows what, that you've been barred from three different pubs, a restaurant, after falling over tables and disrupting everyone's meal. You fell backwards over one of the tables in the Ivy, a very tip-top restaurant, I might add. You've fallen backwards in a virtual back swallow dive onto someone's birthday table. Smashed everything into smithereens. You owe for that too, by the way. Oh, dear God. Hmm, dear God. You ought to see what they... I mean, what were you doing standing on chairs? What were you trying to do? Give a speech? It sounds like... It looks like you were giving a speech or something. 
Anyway, you've fallen backwards onto their table and just about smashed the back of your head in two. Oh, it does feel really, really sore. I bet it does. Hmm. Yes, you do owe quite a lot of money. There's some damage also at the Hotel Juvan. We we were at the Hotel Juvan. Hmm. There was there was not many places that you weren't at last night. So what what happened at the Hotel Juvan? Well, apart from burning a Victorian snook table with cigarettes. All over, you were balancing cigarettes on there, just placing them on there, and they were burning back. It was taking you that long to take the shots. Yeah? I mean, you, at one stage, took five minutes. You burnt all the, um, all the tables, and, um, well, and then for some strange reason, I don't know what you were doing, it looked like you missed picking up your little pork, whatever, hors d'oeuvre, and you ate um, some uh, chalk. A square block of chalk and spat that out all over the table instead of the hors d'oeuvre of course did i oh yes and then you proceeded to hit the ball with such ferocity that of course it bounced straight back and hit you straight on the front of the head that's why you've got that enormous egg on the front of your head there apart from on the other side that's also gashed open through you falling backwards through well backwards and forwards through your own plate glass window your french windows on the patio i fell through the patio windows oh yes that's why your hands stitched up if you've not noticed oh i didn't notice my head's banging with such an extent i didn't notice oh my god my hands my hand mm. yes yeah it's a bit of a mess isn't it oh my god i can't believe it no Anyway, there's ten stitches in that as well. That's where most of the blood came from, and mixed with the wine onto the patio. The patio. Not not my patio. Well, who else? Who else's patio do you think it was? You come crashing down the stairs backwards through through the, your own plate glass windows onto the patio. Did I? Mm. Oh, uh, and this is, you know, I mean, we haven't finished with the Hotel Juvan yet. What do you mean? Well, because the ball hit you on the head, you got so enraged, you threw them all over the place and smashed the place to pieces. All their mirrors and God knows what. You've, sm you've thrown balls. There's people being hit with balls and all sorts. Oh, oh, I don't believe it. Well, do believe it. But, you know, don't worry. The blame is going to be shared between you. What? Is he to blame too? Oh yes. Oh yes. Yes, you didn't just, you know, fall around just singularly. You were also wrestling and smashing tables to pieces everywhere you went. You were wrestling all the way. You were even at one stage, I don't know where you got them from, but you got one boxing glove on and he'd got one boxing glove on and you were, you were attempting to, to have a boxing match. And then he went and punched you as hard as he could without, with the wrong hand, and blacked your other eye. But he's now just on the top there, and it looks ridiculous. It's virtually, you know, split wide open as well. Oh, dear God, yes. So a little bit of a blood-soaked scene, but, but can we just get back to the, the patio? Was there much blood on the patio? Oh! Gallons of it. Well, 
let's say blood and red wine mixed on the marble Carrera marble patio yes on the Carrera marble patio your patio oh Christ oh no my god yes you might say that anyway you're under caution we've got to go we've been waiting half the morning for you to actually come to your wife's outside my wife you're joking no she's outside oh oh dear god uh, listen can you can you just hang about a little bit longer because um no we can't mr mackenzie sorry but we've got to go we don't do domestics anyway we're detectives it's pcs for domestics are there any pcs about mr mackenzie it's your wife i know it's my bloody wife jesus um some, some, you better you better stay or uh, no. mr mackenzie we've got to go you're a rugby playing man hence why you've been three days watching the rugby you're six foot two waning at nearly 300 pounds your wife is four feet tall with her hands in the air oh dear god you don't know what she's like you don't know what a banshee little dwarf that thing is that is that's that's irish yes we gathered that belfast by all accounts stay please please i beg of you stay good day mr mackenzie i suggest you grow a pair of you know what <laughs>